0: Falling in love more than grief or sadness is what throws me off my center more than almost anything else.
1: listening to Let It Out with me, your host, Katie Delbout. I hope that you voted. Of course you voted. I hope that you are staying hydrated, taking care of yourselves today and every day. I think this episode is particularly comforting and nourishing right now, especially, but really whenever you listen, because we discuss getting to center and returning to our center when we inevitably veer away which is relevant always because we're constantly in process. I spoke to someone who really inspires me and I gush about how much she is someone who has just had a tremendous impact on me. Her name is Marley Grace. She's been on the podcast before. She's a writer and author of the books How to Not Always Be Working, which we spoke about more last time she was on the podcast a little bit over a year ago. And this time we talk about her new book, Getting to Center. Marley is a dancer and the host of a radio show, which I love. And she's one of my favorite writers and creators, and I loved this episode and also our episode from 2018, which I'll link to. This conversation is really broad, and I'm excited for you to hear it. We discuss crushes and having big feelings, creativity and routines and habits, and how things have changed for Marley since our last discussion a couple years ago. we talk about her thoughts on catastrophic thinking, on newness and moving, beginnings, we talk about her her being in process, we talk a lot about relationships and codependency, we get into Instagram and addiction a bit. We also talk about productivity and friendship and not being enough and when you're feeling too up or too down and depressed. We get into some herbs that she's working with, some foods that she's loving. We talk about quarantine and growth and love. It's just a wide-ranging conversation that I loved having, and I hope that you enjoy it. I'll speak to you after. Check out the kits. Um, If you want to try more from Let It Out, they're available to you. I'm so happy you're here and you're listening, and Enjoy this conversation with Marley and I will speak to you at the end. Hi, how are you? How is your how's your day been going so far? Hi, I'm good.
0: <laughs> I It's great. Just before this, I had my weekly radio show on our community radio station. I have a weekly show called Friendship Village that is advice and music. And it's just always really fun. It's like always really sweet to have two hours to myself to just listen to my songs and talk about things and just have some alone time.
1: I love that so much. Okay, so Friendship Village is my favorite radio program. And I have been listening to it for months it is what gets me to center <laughs> it's so lovely oh. to to hear from you it's my favorite thing you've ever done and you know i'm your fangirl so wow. your cheerleader as you say which i wear a badge i wear with pride <laughs> <laughs> this is truly like i've been, i think about it every time i listen we have the same taste in music and in things we like to ponder and talk about so, and things we care about so I feel as though we'd be great on a road trip and I feel as though friendship (laughs) village, I am on a road trip with you once a week.
0: Wow. That is just the greatest thing I've ever heard. I mean, it's so sweet to hear you say it's your favorite thing I've ever made because I think I, because it's something that's so like disconnected from my work, like my income, it's always really interesting, like the things I generally love to do the most, which are make personal practice videos and do my radio show are the things that make me the least amount of money and so i'm always like sort of paying attention to to that part of mm. my life
1: yeah it's it's interesting I, I think it really checks a lot of boxes for me because it's been a real my friend and I have this thing where we call instant cozy. Like sometimes mm. you just need to turn to something that makes you feel, you know, is going to make you feel good and positive and friendship village is one of those things. But also, I mean, this feels a little bit vulnerable to tell you, but I do want to tell you this, mm. you know, obviously I'm so into you and your work, <laughs> And for people listening, like obviously Marley's been on the podcast before, which I was telling her before we started recording. I I was listening to a bit today, and it's so wild to hear that conversation because we are both in such vastly different spaces, physically and emotionally. The world is in a a very different space that we could never have um, anticipated in 2018, Um, but your I ended... I should just... I'll just lead with this. That day, I, I mentioned in the end of this episode, which I just kind of got to before I am now talking to you in real life, but it was days before my grandfather died and I flew back to Michigan and I broke up with my boyfriend that I had been dating for a very long time and thought I would be with forever. And you knew because we were working together... You were my creative advisor and we had this really tender, loving, several months of of working together in that capacity. And then I did the podcast, I think, around that time. And so I kept asking you these questions about your divorce and about (laughs) heartbreak because I knew that that was coming. (laughs) And it ended up being so comforting to me. Your voice is so cozy to me. And your work is meaningful to me. And, you know, maybe it's because we're both from Michigan. Who knows? But, and I, you know, like I mentioned, I worked with you, but hearing your voice in the world feels like you're talking to me. And I know that many people feel that way who don't know, have a necessarily personal, as personal connection, even that I do. And that's really a testament to you and how you make people feel and how personal your work is. And I, I feel that in your book. I feel that in Friendship Village. I feel that in all of your projects, but this is the vulnerable part. (laughs) took me (laughs) a minute to get there. Here it comes. (laughs) I went through, you know, just this really shaky period where I, I was traveling. I kind of had my like Eat, Pray, Love-esque, you know, by really spending <laughs> so much time alone just before it was cut short by COVID. And there were a couple days where I would like be on Instagram and I just wanted to hear someone cozy to me and I would watch your IGTV videos that I'd seen before. And I would like watch them multiple times because it would just be that... I remember this one time specifically, I was in France. I was like upstate Paris, basically. I felt so lonely and away from home and just shaky. And I turned on one of your Instagram TV videos. This was last summer, and it was exactly what I needed to hear. And it comforted me in a way that I just like to know. I like to know your Instagram is there, and I like to know Friendship Village is there because it it it's you know I think what I've gotten going to twelve step meetings, what I've gotten going to therapy, but it 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 is this really tender, beautiful place that you've created on the internet for people like me. And I'm grateful for you.
0: Wow. It is so lovely to hear all of that. And it reminds me of like how important it is to have people reflect our impact back to us. Because I'm sitting here like, wow, it's so easy for me. I think especially... Um, around the time of like putting a big project into the world, which is this book, is it's really easy for me to f- kind of forget, to kind of be like, I don't know, does anybody care? Maybe that's like a little bit of the energy of 2020 too. So it's really sweet. Yeah. It's also really funny to hear someone say that is comforting because I think every day about <laughs> deactivating it. So it's it's that's just like another... You know, kind of nuanced space that I've been in for the last few months is both seeing like the really real, beautiful, transformative impact that my presence has in a digital space and being honest about where it depletes me and where I'm like, wish I never had to go there or something. So, thank Mm -hmm. you for sharing all that with me, though.
1: Mm, Yeah, I think it's important for me to share because I actually get it as well. Like, I have so many moments of like, does my work even matter? And I want to be elevating voices that are not my own and people that need to take up space that are not me. And really, and that's been, you know, the last several months and, and, and before that too, and, and you've done such a great job with that as well. And, and really, you know, been someone I've looked to in that area, but it it's caused me to, to question my work so many times. And um, And I do eventually want to check in on, on, you know, goddamn Instagram. But I think I've, I've also had those messages from people, you know, for me, especially eating disorder recovery people who find my work and it was meaningful to them or through whatever aspect that it was, it hit them in, in a similar way. And I often think of you and a few others who if their work didn't exist or it was taken down how that would make me so sad and i and i can i've heard from people that i can be that to other people so i think you know from a creativity perspective and you know in you, you this is something i i learned from you and and i completely agree with of like make your art share your work because you never know who it's going to impact yeah so okay so since we spoke Obviously, collectively and individually, we've moved a couple times. You've written a truly captivating book, Getting to Center, which I want to talk about at length. You have my favorite radio program, as we've discussed. (laughs) Um, But I would love to know, what have you learned so far this year about yourself and in general between the pandemic and everything going on politically?
0: You know, I think the biggest lessons getting to know myself are really rooted in having so yeah, I moved to to a new small town in New Mexico on March 15th. <laughs> so then everything shut down March 17th. So it was that in itself has been such a strange experience to not um go through 2020 in like a place that I really know that like really feels safe. And I think the other thing that has just been really different maybe for me than other people's lives is for like six months the last before this month. So it's been seven months, but for six months, my partner was fighting wildfires. So she's a wildland firefighter. And so I just spent a lot of time alone with my dog while my partner was doing this really, I shouldn't say really dangerous. I feel like that's the wrong thing to say I mean it is yeah you're like in a around flames I like to not call it dangerous because I think she's really good at her job and I trust that she was safe but you know if you're like a worrying anxiety prone person like myself it can be a little startling to be when she's like out of service or you know my mind just starts to go to like what's happening in the burning desert so I think I like what I really just came face to face with was like myself and a lot of permission around what self-soothing looks like and a lot of permission around how I eat, how I dress, how much TV I watch and trying to like marry that with taking care of myself. I just think for me, you know, sometimes five episodes of TV in a day is great and feels really good. And it's like, <laughs> give myself full permission and other days, that feels really avoidant and like maybe i should be sort of going down a different path so i think i've just really been learning how to differentiate between avoidance and care is maybe my my biggest lesson so far mm-hmm. of 2020 still figuring it out but
1: yeah yeah me too funnily enough last time you did the podcast i was trying to tell you this earlier we started off talking about you were saying that you were in the early stages of writing a book which is i'm assuming is is this book yes. that i have in front of me and we were talking about a situation that was ha- we had we had been together the night before at your reading um and you were telling me about a situation that was happening in your life that day that you like as as a friend gave me more context about and then we also talked in the podcast about it <laughs> in a more cagey way. (laughs) But basically, you were feeling so high and not knowing what to do, like um, emotionally up and not like from substance, (laughs) but not knowing how to process that. And we had this really interesting conversation about how intense negative feelings we both know how to turn to tools for, but intense positive feelings, you were just having this realization of, you know, essentially getting to center of not knowing what to do with those feelings and, you know, needing to t- turn to tools and those times where we're up as well. And your friend Ellen, who you were staying with where we recorded that episode, she was like, why didn't you write about it? And I think that theme <laughs> runs through yeah. getting to center, um, which is so funny because at the time, I remember we... we relate a lot in that episode to both being people who, you know, feel things, maybe it's an attic thing, but like way up high and way down low and, you know, trying to get to center because when I'm high, I don't want to come down, you know, and that, but I, I also know it's not good to live there, but I was having trouble relating to what you were talking about. And then in quarantine, like recently I've had, I, that happened to me, you know, like a crush situation, awesome. probably. <laughs> And I, I just wanted to stay high, you know. I didn't want to I didn't want to use my tools. So, can you talk about that and where you are at that today?
0: <laughs> I love <laughs> all the like context and things you remember. I'm just like, holy smokes. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, it's funny because I talk about, yeah. So when we recorded that podcast, I had just met someone who I. Briefly, you know, I guess you could call it dated, had sort of like a love, a tryst, an intense (laughs) love connection with uh, before I started dating uh, Jack, my current partner. But this person activated something in me for sure that um, I talk about in the book because at some point I in real life drive like through many days through a blizzard to... (laughs) hang out with her. And it's that to me is just like the metaphor, like I will risk my life in terrain that should absolutely not be driven through to hang out with someone who I actually there's not a lot of healthy elements to the, the dating situation. It is fully just like this person makes me feel some kind of way. And so Mm -hmm yeah that is I love it's a it's a, such a small kind of vague part of the book i mean i I do talk about driving through a blizzard to help someone, but it's it is really the root of a lot of the book in terms of how do I center myself from this space that is it completely feels like drugs completely feel just completely takes me out of my body there's no worry in the world like everything is great everything is magical everything is shiny and I think especially for context whenever people listen to this you know we're recording this just over a week before the election you know in 2020 which has been just one of the wildest years i think of anyone's <laughs> life and it's just uh you know collective trauma personal trauma and so of course we want to stay in that space and you know in the book i'm kind of like i don't know stay in that like choose your own adventure stay in the space I don't, I don't think staying in the space is bad i don't think that there's something inherently bad about that but for me that crash can really take me out it can really stop me from sort of being of service was which is what the book is also so about which is what friendship village your favorite radio program is about it's like how do we to me staying in the center is to be of utmost service to myself and to others and so when i'm in that space i'm usually thinking about myself a lot and thinking about my experience and my feelings instead of like what is the best thing for the collective group here. I think I talk about it in there that like falling in love more than grief or sadness is what throws me off my center more than almost anything else.
1: Yeah. Wow. It's it's so funny. I I just I deeply relate. And again, I don't know if there's some like magical kismet thing, but somehow you your advice giving always goes right into whatever I need to hear. But the come down. I want to talk about that more because I think like you said, in a lot of new age rhetoric of where they, people say like, get into the vortex or just get yourself feeling good or like, and I think that those highs for, for people with a temperament like us are so, so nice that I forget that it happened to me this week where I got really, really high on something Mm -hmm. and then instantly so low. and it i think and then it was kind of s- perpetuating like a loop because i i stayed in that because i wasn't able to get work done and i kind of felt apathetic about all of the being of service things that i want to do essentially i'll just call them that or practices um i felt apathetic about everything that wasn't this one thing um and what i realize now is you know obsession about a person or obsession about these intrusive thoughts were really just obsession about myself, you know? (laughs) And, and that's why it felt so terrible because I wasn't helping other people Mm -hmm. and I wasn't connected. I was disconnecting myself from everything.
0: I've heard this in recovery spaces before that, um, whatever you're obsessing over, you're turning into your higher power. Mm -hmm. So it's like you're, I'm making this person God, like I'm making this thought or person, place, or thing. Like that's my higher power. That's what I'm like going towards instead of going towards whatever spiritual grounding help might be there for me. I will say that I found (laughs) so that people don't feel hopeless if they have that pattern. With my... Current partner, we were friends for many months before we transitioned into a romantic partnership. And that really did shift some of my obsessive sort of love addiction qualities that can happen when I like meet a stranger because a stranger is so pure, like there's nothing wrong with them yet. And so in sort of building love out of friendship there much more was still to be revealed. It turns out we both have lots of flaws and special triggers, but we knew each other in this really raw way that I I hadn't felt in a while. And so not, and that's, again, that's like not advice for everyone. That's just for me. But I, I did notice that just all the different tools I've integrated, maybe also just get really getting on the other side of that Saturn return. uh, Definitely. I definitely have a different version of that today, which I am really grateful for.
1: Mm, yeah, I feel and, and tell me if this is this makes sense to you, but I feel like this relates to detachment from outside validation, which you have a really wonderful one of the ones I've watched multiple times Instagram TV video about it, where you spoke about how the high from a crush texting you back or the person you you know really love following, following you back or a work success or an email or whatever. That high lasts for a few hours, but then you get to know the person or if we're lucky, a few hours, but it's trying to fill that, you know, God-shaped hole within us or whatever they say in 12 steps. Um And I, I feel like that's, you know, related to that sort of temporary high. Can you talk about that?
0: Yeah. I mean, for me, it's about, You know, I really felt this this week and I can feel myself like not want to admit it. Like I want to be like, no, I'm so much more evolved than that. But I felt it this week where like a lot, you know, I had sent the book out to a lot of people and they're starting to post about it. And that's, I mean, talk about a high. Like Mm -hmm. I worked on this thing for two years. It's finally getting into people's hands. It's getting into people's hands who I admire and really look to of course I think I thought I was a little more detached than I am and when I noticed that I wasn't was when that slowed down like there was a day that I you know I think nobody did anything and I had and I got I will be honest I got really depressed and it feels so specific to like app addiction more than, cause I wasn't like, I wasn't having the thought process. Like nobody's talking about my book as much as I was just like, Oh, I got high on the drug of people saying good job. And when that was gone, it's a little bit of like, everywhere you look, there you are. Like I was like back to just being in my body, just being like a fleshy human person, totally detached from my work or accolades or anything. And so I'm glad to just even say that out loud though and see and like just kind of track it and just be really human and honest about my experience with even like with all the tools, right? And with like years and years of integrating them, it still catches me off guard sometimes. And it, it's embarrassing, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like it's embarrassing to even say people weren't talking about me and I got sad. Like that's, nobody wants to say that, but I feel able to, because similar to like, you know, I don't really feel any shame around my past drinking because I think alcohol is like a poison that doesn't mix with my body. I think Instagram is a poison that doesn't mix with my body in some ways. It's like, it is built to make me feel that guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to post again and then it'll start over mm-hmm. and and they know that and that's how it's built. So, you know, I try not to be hard on myself for that feeling, but yeah, it's, it's, I'm definitely noticing right now, like, Oh, I'm so secure in my loving, healthy, abundant partnership. Of course, I'll find something else to get high off of that.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's so fun. Like the mole thing, you know, like there's, it's, yes. and I, I constantly am transferring the thing that I'm replacing to be the, you know, the hole that I'm trying to fill within yes. me. It's, sometimes it's work. Sometimes it's a person. Sometimes it's several people and Instagrams, you know, what, what isn't it? And what hasn't it been making my apartment really great? You know, who knows? But I think what was most interesting, what you said, and I want to pick up on and get your thoughts on is how, and, and first of all, thank you for admitting all of that and sharing, letting it out, if you will. <laughs> um, yes. But the part about how the day you got it... Because I want to talk about attachment. And you said the day you felt that attachment, it was quiet. And then you got depressed. And I think my friend Joey and I always talk about this. We we call it the, the dam that breaks, where I think this is a anxious attachment Style thought that I often have, but it's the thing I've talked about more with my therapist over the past 10 years has been some version of someone not texting me back or not emailing me back or not, you know, and it which goes to I'm not good enough, which goes to, you know, which is like me making it about me, right? (laughs) And I realize that now, but it's still such a knee jerk thing. And so we call it like there's always this moment where i feel you know i'm i'm spiraling about whatever it is i'm spiraling about and then as soon as i let go or i just forget about it and and usually this isn't something i like do the work on or do self help on it just happens cuz i get distracted or i like a new Show where I find a song that I love, or I, I I accidentally get into more of a flow, and I let go, and suddenly the dam breaks, and everyone is texting me back. Someone is asking me to hang out. It's all just kind of flowing and ha- happening, and I feel really sparkly and great. And I can't control that really. I can't really. I I fall into that. I can't really get into that. And I just think it's so interesting that that the moment you became attached to it, it went away. Like, do you find that with things where like, for instance, a a friend of mine gave me this analogy. Have you heard this? This is not her line, but she was talking about this in the context of of dating where someone told her this, if you treat them like a celebrity, they'll treat you like a fan. But she's like, it's actually more, if you feel like they're a celebrity, they'll feel like you're a fan. So it's this, it's the, it's the, you know, the, the it's on the inside of like how it, it's attachment basically of like how much you want something that can be very unattractive. And so I think it's like that with everything, not just with people with whatever it is that we're wanting. So do you yeah. find that to be true in your life? I guess it was in this situation.
0: Yeah. I mean, I find it's so funny because I was actually talking about this on Friendship Village today where someone had asked about like, what if you are committed to wholeness and the people around you are not? And I couldn't help but, but think like, but how do you know they're not? Like, I mean, and there's two answers. Part of me was like, maybe get some new friends who are, but also it's such a big theme in my partnership, right? It's like, as soon as I have some big ideas for how Jackie is supposed to live her life that will make my life better, oof, that shit does not work for anybody. And as soon as I just really trust her and let her live and let her find her pathways and her ways of being a person, it is so much more beautiful to see her grow. It's so much more, I have so much more spaciousness in my own life to focus on myself. Because that's the other thing is like focusing on the self is actually great because the less worried we are about everyone else, the more we can sort of show up for the bigger work that has to be done. So there's that. I think that's what the book is about in a lot of ways too, is that that difference between like narcissism and, and focusing on the self. And I definitely swing in that pendulum when I'm like really thinking about me and when I'm actually like doing esteemable acts and caring for myself.
1: Yeah. Can you go into that differentiation a little bit more?
0: Yeah. I mean, I talk, you know, I feel like it's like a line I've said many times that I can like hate myself and run a bath at the same time. It's like just because I'm doing quote self care acts doesn't mean I'm caring for the way I feel about myself, which I think is part of the crash that can come after the love high or. The work validation high is when I'm in that high, I'm not tending to the Marley-isms, like going for my walks and speaking nicely to myself and calling people back on time, taking care of my finances, those kind of unfun things. It's the unfun things that really create trust in myself. So I, I kind of have trust myself in order to... Stay really detached from other people, places, and things.
1: Yeah, and I think I know. I find when I'm, we keep talking about the the pendulum swing when it when it swings both directions, low or high. I become kind of apathetic for those sorts of tasks. You know, those tasks that make me feel better, and I, I actually again on my favorite program friendship village <laughs> um in the last several months had a question and i don't remember what the question was but you said something about you were talking about confidence and i related so much to the person asking the question but your answer was i think she was maybe just the or they were just asking you Directly about confidence, even maybe, but you. One of the parts of your answer was doing things like productivity, like doing something that you don't want to do and that you're putting off, and doing that thing gives you a lot of confidence. Like you were just kind of listing off things that give you confidence, and you were saying, I think you were talking about how you and Jackie like went out and took photos one day, and you got dressed up and put clothes on, and that's one way. And then you you were listing off, and and that one about doing something on your list that you've been procrastinating that really hit me because I deeply relate to that in the sense of it gives you a little bit of momentum, right? Of like, you did that one thing, you could probably do another yes. creatively or, or productivity wise. And I think when you're, when, at least I'll speak for myself, when I'm, when I'm too low or too high, I just kind of become apathetic about doing anything. And then that lowers myself rather than my confidence, you know? Same. Just, <laughs> yep. I've also been like, You
0: know, some people really hate the phrase, fake it till you make it. And I am a fan personally. Or there's like another version, which is act as if, like Mm -hmm. act as if the change has already happened within you. And I feel like, yeah, a reflection I get a lot is people are like, wow, you seem, you are, they don't even say you seem. It's like, you're so confident and brave. And it's like, no, I'm scared shitless. I just do stuff anyways. There's a difference a little bit between there are some things I do that, yes, I do feel really confident about, and there's other things I do or present or try that I don't actually. And that came up in my partnership recently where we were navigating something, and I kept kind of feeling small and just like kind of little inner child, like very kind of sad puppy. And I was kind of like, you know what? I'm going to actually fake that I feel really good about this outcome we're dealing with and act like I know know what I'm doing. And it turned out great. It was like better for the partnership. Like everybody was a little, like, I think Jackie was inspired. I was like, cool, look at us. And so sometimes I think it is just being like, can I access what it might feel like to be confident about something and act as if I am already. And then usually it, it only takes a couple minutes and I'm actually like, That was a story I was telling myself that I wasn't confident or Mm -hmm. able. And yeah, I love doing things I've been avoiding. There's some big ones right now that I'm like, they will make an entire other book. So
1: we'll see. Yeah, I'm excited to hear about those. I think also for it's that Kurt Vonnegut quote, right? Of like, we are what we pretend to be. So be careful what you pretend to be. Like it's the same for confidence and it's the same for habits, you know? Like Ah. I have a a couple of really bad habits right now. And last night I was so fed up with one of them. And I was just like, just pretend that you're a person that doesn't do that anymore. Just like start pretending. And then eventually if you keep pretending every day, then you're a person that doesn't do that anymore.
0: (laughs) I love and support that.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. Get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door with HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh lets you skip the trips to the grocery store where you might have to stand in a line, and it makes home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. HelloFresh makes cooking easy and stress-free. This is so true, I I got my first HelloFresh order and I also stood in the line today at Cookbook, the store in my neighborhood. And then I got home and I had my HelloFresh box and I, I I wish that I wouldn't have had to do that, and I might not have to go as often. It's really cool. HelloFresh offers these convenient delivery options that come right to your doorstep for easy home cooking and recipes that are simple to follow, quick to make, with simple steps and pictures and these really beautiful cards that guide you through exactly how to make something. HelloFresh cuts out the stressful meal planning and trips to the store, like I said, so you and enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in about 30 35 minutes. And you can actually save about 40% when you use HelloFresh versus shopping at the grocery store. HelloFresh's gourmet recipes are over 60% cheaper than the average meal out or takeout, so you can enjoy a restaurant quality meal For dinner For less And they also have A great variety HelloFresh offers A lot of options Every week So you can break out Of a recipe rut And try new things Okay listen I Am so psyched About this Genuinely I I'm not a great cook, but I'm trying to get better. And HelloFresh comes with these cards that are, they're really phenomenal. And I'm going to make a pasta dish this week. And I'm also going to make, it's like a rice dish with an egg on top. The one I'm most excited about is this enchilada situation with salsa verde. And my friend Christine is coming over tomorrow. You guys know Christine and I'm going to make it for the two of us. I couldn't be happier. Honestly, this is very exciting and I would love for you to try it. There's really something for everyone, including vegetarian like me, kid-friendly recipes, and over 90% of the ingredients are sourced directly from growers to ensure peak flavor and ripeness, which is really cool. And it's sustainable. HelloFresh is the first global carbon neutral meal kit company. That's super important to me. I really didn't want to contribute to extra waste. So also by skipping the grocery store and using HelloFresh, you're reducing food waste by at least 25%, which I think is really cool. Like I said, HelloFresh delivers these pre-portioned ingredients so you're not overbuying, which can be a burden on the planet and your wallet. And the packaging that HelloFresh uses to ship your food is almost entirely made from recyclable, and or already recycled content. And they do this to offset the carbon footprint of their operations and their travel. It's really tremendous. And HelloFresh's carbon footprint is 25% lower than a store-bought grocery store meal what's also really cool about them is that it's flexible. You can change your delivery days and your meal plan preferences. You can skip a week whenever you need to. They have an app that makes it really easy. And you can add extra sides like garlic bread or whatever you want. And HelloFresh is committed to giving back. HelloFresh committed to donating meals to those in need. And so far in 2020, they have donated 3.5 million meals. I'm very psyched about this. Go to HelloFresh.com slash let it out 90 and use the code let it out 90 to get $90 off, including free shipping. $90 off. That's HelloFresh.com slash let it out 90 and use the code letitout 90 to get 90% off, including free shipping enjoy your HelloFresh discount and please send me a photo of what you make i will post on the let it out instagram what i'm making this week and we should all you know maybe we can make dinner together and share it with this code and listen you know you can be listening to the podcast it'll be like we're having dinner can we talk a little bit about codependency sure (laughs) Can you talk a little bit about what you've learned and how that relates to getting to center and where you are with it right now?
0: Mm, yeah. I mean, I feel like I feel like my most recovered, healed, codependent self I ever have, which feels really exciting to say. I but at the same time I'm like honest like I feel like if you would have asked me a week and a half ago, I would have been like, Will this ever will this pain ever end? I think that for me, again, it kind of goes back to detachment, like I feel like so much of it for me is really it's about that like focusing on myself and like fo- like having hobbies, having my own friends, having trusted people I can talk to when I am feeling you know I use the same language, love spirally when I'm like starting it spirally or spiraling into some sort of state of like. I think a big theme for me has been like trying to fix everything. That's been my most codependent behavior the last six months or so. Like, as soon as I notice something wrong with me or my partner, I'm like, I have to fix this. I have to fix this right now. I have to fix her. I have to fix me. I have to fix us instead of just being like, kind of like giving it over to God, my higher power, whatever and trusting the timing and the universe. And when I do that, it is so much more enjoyable to live my life. It's really, it reminds me of the like, I've heard this in the rooms, like I have a disease of perception. You know, I ramped up some of my recovery stuff when COVID started because I could feel myself really wanting to control my partnership. And, you know, I think natural things triggered that moving it's funny it's like the things that you'd think would make people feel more comfortable and secure just make me more anxious. Like I'm like we now we like live just the two of us, we don't have roommates, like now it will all end. Like and then I try to control to be like how do I make sure this doesn't end? And I think things get closer to ending when you suffocate them. So yeah, I think um Today, I feel, I think what I feel most grateful for is having a partner who is also dedicated to understanding the language of codependency. So it's not, I have to tackle the demon, my demons on my own. And when I start to go into that anxious place, we have so much, we've built so much shared language and phrases to like identify like, whoa, this is what's going on. This is not reality. These are old feelings, feelings from our childhood, our different attachment styles, butting heads right now. So that's what's just been so helpful to me is having a partner who's really able to to go there with me when we see it coming up instead of just being like, you suck, this is terrible. I haven't had partners say, you suck, this is terrible. But in past partnerships, including my marriage, we just couldn't quite both access that humility around our communication styles. And that led to, well, what led to us getting divorced, but I think it also led to certain codependency issues that we couldn't really resolve
1: yeah I think so much of it is both want so much of life is timing and then both wanting to i guess sit still enough and be patient enough to directly communicate about something or nurture a relationship in in that way and there's there's a pain to that not being the case. I feel like going back to the blizzard driving. <laughs> Scenario at which I I relate to, <laughs> in a in a more recent scenario, <laughs> and I feel like sometimes those ones are we're never gonna get to to that point, you know, and and there's like a sadness there of like oh maybe if something was different or maybe if this was different or if I met you this time, you know, and and just this is my question for you, like you know that a relationship isn't correct when it's not going to get to that point where you can feel safe directly communicating or telling someone how you feel or asking straight up how they feel and actually listening and doing the the codependency work together like that that might not be available in every relationship that you enter
0: absolutely i also think that i <laughs> this gets me in trouble is that i'm so self aware and have so much outside help between <laughs> between meetings and therapy and seeing psychics and lots of different one on one sessions and am literally a self help author and have an advice radio show like I'm thinking about improving myself constantly, so my expectations of other people are unbelievable at they're just completely you could never fulfill them. And so that's where Jackie specifically has re- <laughs> So I don't feel bad. She's happy. She doesn't mind I speak of her, but it's just so funny. She definitely challenges me on that in a, in a way that I need, in a way of like a little bit like, how about we live our life and you put the pen down a little mm-hmm. bit. Like I think we don't actually need note-taking on what's happening right now. And yeah, and absolutely looking back on quick partnerships or like you know casually dating people or and and even my 5 year partnership with John my ex husband really looking at like did we have all the tools no and we made like a really beautiful thing that is now a different thing and so yeah i have a lot of acceptance around and i have that with friendships too and i talk about that in the book like friendship breakups that are that friendships that were really codependent i feel like the ones i write about in the book or that I was thinking about when I was writing them are friendships that were codependent. There was just so much expectation and needs that weren't specified. And is it sad that those friendships are over? Absolutely. And I've built new friendships with people who like had we both had the tools to build the kind of intimacy we wanted with each other. And Gosh, it's funny hearing myself talk. I'm like, oh my god, this is so boring. I'm like, being healthy is so. Boring. I mean, that's like the addict in me, right? It's like I'm hearing myself sound healthy, and I'm like, I should go do something bad. It's no so-
1: chaos, yeah, chaos, chaos. <laughs> Anyways, no, it it's interesting because, yeah, I, I totally understand that, and and I think that, yeah, it just oh man, there's and I'm like there's like 12 things that I want to pick up on that you said, and I'm just like having trouble coming down and choosing one, but you're so open about being in process because, you know, the jig is up. The reality of the situation is that we're all in process all the time, whether you're a self-help book author and advice giver or anything else. But, you know, I deeply relate to you because I'm the same thing. Like I'm also, I also wrote a self-help book and I also like do advice things in my work, in my way. And, I'm just interested in this stuff and in like like you said have all these programs and things and herbalism and whatever and it's great and but it's also fun to talk about things that aren't that and I often forget that because it's an interest of mine it's a hobby of mine and it's also my work but it's like Pete Holmes says this about comedy like you have to live a life worth commenting on and I think you know one thing that's really helpful is like not being friends with exclusively people who are like very interested in in self help and personal growth, like I am, and that has been really helpful for me. And having neighbors and friends who like I don't really talk about my work with, and and that has been really good for me because I think there was a period in my life where I was kind of like hanging out with a lot of people that did similar things to me, and and, and that's helped. But it, yeah, I I think I have to constantly remind myself that just because I'm interested in talking about my feelings and, and where I'm at with that. And I, and then I'm also so curious and a question asker, and then I'm asking everyone else about their childhood and their wounds and their attachment styles. And it's like, sometimes yeah. people just want to laugh and, and, yeah. and I do too. I just like almost forgot how to do that.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, de- I deeply, deeply relate. Yeah. <laughs>
1: So what do you do? uh, Speaking of advice, like, when you're starting to feel attached, or you like this week, when you we can use that as an example, or, you know, once you got the awareness of the situation with the blizzard driving, like when you feel that attachment come in, what do you do? Or like, what are some of your processes to help yourself and to detach
0: I mean, I pretty much go immediately to calling a person who is also, who uses the same tools as me and that list, you know, I'm speaking vaguely and to, um, honor our traditions on this (laughs) public forum, but, Mm -hmm. uh you know, I thought, yeah, I, I mean, I find other 12-steppers, right? I have just like a long-ass list from nine and a half years of working different programs that I really pick up the phone. I mean, when I'm speak, when I'm thinking of just last week, I was in that space of like really trying to fix things. And it was absolutely coming from a place of anxious attachment. And i I'm not like an attachment whiz by any means. I'm pretty aware that that's the style I lean towards and am really grateful to have built really secure attachment in my partnership. But that's that's where I go to like such an anxious state that that's my shadow, that's my darkness. And I really like, it's so funny. I I don't mean to keep being like, and that's in the book too, but it's like, there's a whole chapter on asking for help. And it's like, I just... I really pick up the phone. I do not rely on myself, and to me, that's my connection to my higher power because my higher power is going to speak through those people to me. Right? They're flesh people who like our channels. That's what I think. So, definitely picking up the phone. And it's funny. While I was yesterday, I was just in like kind of a low space, kind of that depressed space. I think I admitted to earlier about just having the high wear off. And yeah, Jackie was like, put on a record, like, <laughs> listen to some music dance. Like, you know, it's, it's so funny that I think I'm so in tune with my tools, but so often just need someone else to be like, you, you do know that every time you dance, you factually feel better. Right. And I'm like, Oh, right. So definitely dance. I think dance is just, I mean, it's a one of the biggest parts of my life and uh definitely is i'm i don't even necessarily want to say feel better because i don't think that needs to be the goal as much as i'm embodied right i feel like a lot of times for me when i am anxiously attached or i am really depressed i'm not, I'm not feeling particularly embodied. And so for me, I like when my depression can at least shift into a sad awareness of what's happening. And so that when I, after I danced yesterday, that's when I kind of like looked at Jackie and I was like, whoa, like I'm depressed from literally from the Instagram validation loop. And it was like, cool, like we have that awareness now. And so, yeah, I would say picking up the phone, calling someone else to hear their experience, strength and hope,
1: and then, uh, and then dancing. Mm, I really love that. I, walking is is kind of similar to me probably with dancing for you, just like getting getting out, being outside. That's why I, I, I well, where you still? I walked out too, but I think that and and having the self awareness too and then letting it out. Like that's this whole yeah. situation, you know. <laughs> it really, yeah. really does like I, I keep like joking about like I could probably stand hold more in at this point. Like yeah. um maybe that'll be my next show. But it's um yeah, it really does dissipate just sharing it and I I'm so you know, I, I, I often forget that, but now I'm older I get the more knee jerk that's becoming. And I think You know, I'd love your thoughts on this. So my friend Meredith and I kind of have this theory about creativity and being people who have like crushes on people and have big feelings and, you know, addictive personalities. And, you know, we have this whole like, Julia Jacqueline's album is very important to us. And we've like, you know, yeah. yeah, Which I've heard on Friendship Village. And we, you know, we'll just have these moments of like, sending very long voice texts back about, you know, whatever spiral we're we're in. And it's, yeah, I mean, I guess my question, when it teeters on, I think heartbreak is really useful, right? Like I think having crushes and I think the, um, the, the feeling of, of, of once you get the self-awareness of, you know, I'm feeling heartbreak around this thing or I'm feeling, um, you know, like it, it can be kind of cinematic and, stay with me in in one way. But I think when it gets negative is when it goes into this really low self worth place of like comparison and like I'm a piece of shit and like putting people in categories, you know, and not not the like, oh man, isn't life like Interesting that, like, some people like gifts back and some people don't, and this is this was fleeting, or I made this time, you know, that can be that can feel kind of good, and there's art that comes out of that. But when it's just a negative spiral, it's like, how is this making any sense? Like, do you do you agree with that, and how do you taper that if so, in your own mind? Let me be more clear because I was just kind of spewing, but. I wanted to talk about comparison and self-worth a bit. And I, that's where I was sort of going with this, but this is in the book as well, of, of putting people into categories you were talking about at one point. And you were answering a question about how you... And you were saying that you subconsciously put yourself as better than or less than others. Oh, and it right. just happens in your mind. And I deeply related to that. So I think that that's not exactly what my... my co- original question was, but I think that would be interesting to talk about of like, I think that making your, you know, again, that, that's kind of what we were talking about earlier of like making it about ourselves. But I think that feeling heartbreak and feeling the depression and just allowing ourselves to feel the feeling is really good. But I think the, the categorizing um, and like, yeah, maybe you could just kind of talk about that, like where you are with putting yourself Above or below other people in your mind. Yeah.
0: I mean, so the phrase that I have heard and that I use is like getting right sized. And uh <laughs> it's another phrase I feel I don't know why I think people hate the little cliche phrases I use, but I well, maybe because I've seen people be like, that's stupid. You don't need to be right sized, you should be like fabulous and amazing. And for me being right-sized is being amazing. It's like, but another pendulum swing is, yeah, I either... Part of my addiction to, to being obsessed with anything that isn't me is me. It's like me being like, I'm either amazing and untouchable and the greatest or I'm just a shithead. It's like I'm usually picking one or the other. And so that's where... That's something I've been like really working on with my therapist is like, how do I stay in the middle, which is literally getting to center. It's like, how do I come back to myself? Because that's back to like the crash, (laughs) the crash of the great blizzard of 2019 is like, I, when the crash happens, what, so what the crash is, is realizing you We're relying on someone else for all of your self-worth. Because that's usually what like, I have a friend who's often the one I pick up the phone when I'm feeling that anxious attachment stuff. And she's usually like, well, what would happen if the worst thing happens? Let's say you and Jackie break up and she leaves you. And I'm like, my first feeling is actually not sadness because A it sort of bursts my bubble and I'm like, well, we're nowhere near that. So that's helpful. But B, I'm like, oh, I'd probably, I don't know, survive. Like I'd probably use all my tools and move on and find love again someday. You know, it's like, what is the I guess what's the worst that could happen? I've had the worst that can happen. I mean, especially when you're like a divorced person or have any breakup. That's usually the worst that could happen. And I think most people are okay after those big things. And so, yeah, I think it's like now I know how to feel like more natural and healthy grief and pain and love that just feels a lot more like steady rather than those huge high highs and low lows. Because again, even in my, you know, most of my partnerships have. Existed in some form of openness, whether it's like just sort of more abundant openness or like, you know, actual polyamory with multiple partners. And for me, it's like that used to be another part of the chaos, and it's not for me today. Like now, if I have a crush on someone, it's usually like a pretty fun conversation I have with my partner, and then sometimes that's it, you know. Whereas before, it really was the th- like, and I think that is does come from me building that self worth with myself that I don't want to lose that and just get so hung up on people, places and things. I hope that answered it. I feel like that was a little spewy also, but I loved
1: it. Spewy for spewy. I hope that I hope my, my spewy questions are okay. (laughs) Yes. I love them. Um, So this book is so wonderful and, and genuinely compelling and, and reads just goes down real easy. And really what I needed right now. I just... I love it so much. And everyone needs to get themselves a hard copy immediately. You start off talking about practice. And Mm -hmm. that was so lovely to be reminded of. And I'll say this for people who haven't gotten to work with you privately like I have. Reading this book really felt like what it was like to work with you and so much more actually there's a lot in here um but practice is is something that that is a, a through line of your work so i'm curious what is your practice right now and and what has it been in quarantine and how has it changed and how is it about to change with the book coming out walk us through that
0: yeah my my pr- my practice right now feels a little jumbly like i'm looking forward to I've had some COVID, some COVID safe traveling that's happened in the last month. And we've, you know, morning pages are my forever, my forever favorite practice that whenever, whenever I start to be like, whoa, what is my practice right now? Like, what are my rituals? What are my day-to-day things? And I kind of like, can't remember or just feel really far away from them. Morning pages for those listening would be three pages of uninterrupted, Journaling first thing in the morning, introduced to
1: us by Julia Cameron in the Artist Way, and and I like to call it the morning dump. <laughs> morning dump. In my book, time. it's called the morning dump. Yeah, you know, beautiful. one of two. Yeah, <laughs> yes, it's one of two. Got to have both.
0: Uh, Maybe at the so, same time. Yes, me. I mean, honestly, why not at this point? <laughs> twenty twenty, anything <laughs> goes. Uh, but I feel like, yeah, that's where I generally kind of refine. Myself, what was really working, and that's the other thing is like, I really think our practices should always be shifting. And for a while, there was like a month and a half where I took June, our dog, on a two mile hike every single morning, didn't miss a morning. And it was great. It was like what I did kind of instead of morning pages. I was actually like, you know, I don't think writing first thing is really working for me. I'd rather move and be outside. It was also like during the time where i would it would get so hot that the only time to be outside and really get june on a walk was first thing in the morning and so yeah i would say that my practices right now feel a little more like in my mind like a little more just really focused on kind of like sporadic journaling i've been trying to sort of i've been using the phrase like stay engaged with my therapist and the work we've been doing. So kind of like reviewing the notes and just making little lists. I would say, yes, actually, this is my answer. List making. List making is my biggest practice right now. Lots of lists, whether it's like to-do lists or goal lists or things I'm excited about lists. Jackie and I have been talking about like making lists together. So when we're struggling either together or apart, it can be like, oh, let's refer to our lists. Like what things do we like to do together? Like whether it's going for a bike ride or, or playing games or making out or watching a TV show. So yeah, I would say list making is a big part of my practice right now.
1: I love that. We talked about lists in our last episode. I don't know if you Aww. remember this, but we were talking about how you're so good at finding a good list. And you sent me so many, like Woody Guthrie's New Year's yeah. list. And there's several that Marley is good at making a list, finding a list. I want to keep talking to you forever, but there's a couple things from the book that I that I want to pick up on and several other things. And as we've mentioned, you are quite the advice giver. So instead of doing the normal quick fire questions, since we did them last time, yeah, we'll still do a couple. But I was hoping that I could kind of put pennies in your jukebox and have you riff on a few topics and you yeah give advice say whatever you're feeling about it you know it can be as quick or as long as you want it to be but just yeah close your eyes get cozy and just channel
0: (laughs) i love it i needed the invitation to close my eyes actually thank you
1: okay great okay thoughts on newness beginnings moving Mm, just hearing you say the word beginnings i felt
0: just relief like i think i'm someone who I think when i wake up in the morning it can be a little jarring just to be a person and and i think 2020 has heightened that a little bit and so instead of like using the word start like oh my god i have to start the day i think what that made me think of is like oh i get to begin i get to begin again i get to begin a new day and i love I love the word beginning. It feels so much softer and inviting to me than like start or start over. It's like, no, you don't start over, you begin again. And that feels important to me.
1: Mm, I love that. Yeah, it's so true. It's just semantics, but something about the word start feels like sports and, uh, and, intense and I don't like it at all. Yeah. <sighs> Thoughts on catastrophic thinking.
0: Oh my gosh. It's so funny. It's like, I always say my books, anything I write or do, it's so sweet hearing you just reflect back like things you heard on the radio show or our last talk, because I feel like I haven't thought of catastrophic thinking in a long time until this week. And that is what triggers my anxious attachment is this thinking that if one little thing is off in my partnership, in my work, in a friendship, it's over, I'm doomed, and I will be abandoned and left forever. And the paper trail, the the breadcrumb trail is that that has never happened to me. And so, you know, I've always had someone or something or some, you know, energetic support. And so I mostly want to just share, I think, with people listening, like, you can heal from <laughs> catastrophic thinking. And I think the way to do that is to just stay really like open to what is going to happen. Like I think, you know, catastrophic thinking also means that you assume that the catastrophic outcome you have invented is the the worst thing. Like maybe it's actually will be the correct thing when it happens.
1: Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Thoughts on solitude, spending time alone. It's okay if it's hard. It's okay if it feels
0: hard. I think just like collect evidence and notice because when I talked about Jackie fighting fires, I watched all of Friday Night Lights and many seasons of Grey's Anatomy and both of those shows would just be like there were days where they were just on all day and I was alone, but I wasn't really like (laughs) in full solitude. And that just had to be okay. Like now a couple months later, I don't feel like I lost time. I don't feel like that was bad. But while I was in it, I think I was really hard on myself with like, what if I'm in alone time, it needs to be like productive and working on myself. And it's like, I think it's okay if solitude and alone time looks different. But I try to collect the evidence of like, I was alone for a few days recently, and I was just really, really on my phone a lot. And afterwards, I did have the feeling of like, that didn't feel great. Like, I wish I would have leaned into that alone time and solitude a little more than just because for me, when I'm, quote, by myself, but super connected digitally, it doesn't really feel like solitude. So I think just giving ourselves permission to collect the evidence and not like hate ourselves for not quote, fully being alone is is helpful for me.
1: Mm, yeah. Thoughts on vulnerability and boundaries?
0: Mm, I think just because someone is vulnerable, and I'm, I'm maybe like speaking for myself, like just because I'm vulnerable publicly doesn't mean I'm accessing vulnerability in my real life. It doesn't mean I'm having a good day. Like I think sometimes we put vulnerability on this really big pedestal and it doesn't actually equal like what's happening behind the scenes. Like it's, it's not really hard for me to be publicly vulnerable. It can be hard for me to be vulnerable in my partnership or in my friendships. And so I think just like taking the assumption away that just because someone is vulnerable, that that's like immediately equals some sort of like good quality and in terms of boundaries, I mean, the more vulnerable I am publicly, the more boundaries I have to have. And that has, I feel like it used to be really hard. Now I find that I don't even say them. I just do them. Like I feel like a lot of people online are like, these are my boundaries. I need you to respect them. And I'm like, yo, this is an app like owned by billionaires like nobody cares about your boundaries on here so you just have to hold them like and anyone's expectations on me those aren't my fault like i can't help somebody with that so if somebody gets pissed i didn't respond to their dm or comments any question and it's my boundary that like you can email me you can write me a letter in the mail but I'm not going to answer that. Um, I don't know. I never want to sound like an asshole, but I'm just kind of like, there's no rules that are written for what the boundaries are. And so people can cross them every day if they want. And it's it's up to me to keep my boundaries, not expect people to know what they are.
1: Mm, Yeah, that's so well said. What about your thoughts on body image, feeling comfortable, as our bodies are also in process. We talked about that a bit last time and I'd love to know where you are at with that.
0: Yeah, you know, I have such a fluctuating both body and view of my body. And it's interesting when I I was talking about how I was walking June every day for two miles and I really noticed my body change in a way that I think is maybe like quote, what I would want my body to look like, right? Like it looked strong. It looked like a body who'd been walking two miles a day and now not walking two miles a day and uh, eating a lot of ice cream, really less exercise. My body doesn't look like that. It looks pretty soft. And usually if I'm honest, I don't, you know, I, I'm not someone who like thinks about it a lot, but I would, if someone were to ask me, I might be like, ooh, that like, sure, in my most vulnerable sharing, I don't want to have it be as soft or something. And I have found lately, maybe it's like the in the permission invitation of 2020, but I'm just kind of like, I kind of like it. Like, I'm kind of like, hmm, I'm soft, like, and actually enjoying the shape my body is in right now, which feels kind of new to me I feel like I'm usually like wishing or like I'm I accept my body but I maybe wish it looked different and lately I'm just kind of like I think I actually just like it right now which I don't I wish I could share how I did that I don't have an answer it actually felt like a really random miracle like I was in the bath and like taking a hot selfie and I was like I'm looking soft and I was like and I think I like that. I think that feels hot to me. And um that uh is not a space. I mean and of course, like I think all other bodies are hot, no matter what they look like. But of course that's not something I apply to myself. So yeah, I cannot share how to do that, but I will share that a miracle occurred. And <laughs> I was like, Cool, this is hot, great.
1: So I love that so much, and it you know if if you really get down to it, it's like well why did why is it that the two mile a day less soft body you preferred, mm-hmm. and then now a miracles occur i mean if you really get down to it, it's you know. A fat politics issue. It's a standard of beauty issue. It's, you know, the diet industry. It's all these, you know, capitalism, it's all these other things, but it's in there. It's in there for all of us. And admitting that is, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thoughts on your book coming out during a pandemic and an election?
0: (laughs) You know... Uh, I think it feels great, really, for the most part. Now, two days away from it, I'm maybe a little more tense, but I think it's kind of perfect time. I mean, it's, you know, the subtitle, Pathways to Finding Yourself Within the Great Unknown was written pre-pandemic. And so it feels really like beautiful divine timing to have it come out right now. I'd maybe have given it a little more space <laughs> from the election, but that's not what God had in mind. So I'm trusting HP on this one and just kind of, yeah. I mean, to me, it's just like, I wrote it, I wrote it now, and it's coming out now. And there, that's part of the detachment game. It's like, I think that it is a great book for people to read right now. And yeah, I was
1: just going to say it's, yeah. go. Sorry, go on. <laughs>
0: you no. Know, Book selling and press and that side of bookmaking, yeah, it's hard. It's not easy right now to be an author and put a book out. But in terms of having faith that this is a
1: book that will serve people in this time, yes, I have great faith in that. Hmm. I really do feel like this book is it. The timing of it couldn't be better, content-wise. You know, it, it was really needed for me. Yeah. With that, I'm wondering about the process of, of writing this book? Was it done in pockets? Was it done in chunks? Like, can you talk about that a little bit? I'm like,
0: I don't remember writing it. So I can't help you with that. <laughs> it's like I have—I mean, I have memories, but I... Uh, that's the part of like creative practice that I feel like I really can't help other... I get sad. Like, I wish I could help other people write books. And I'm like the um, the technique of it. And I... I like literally don't remember. I'm like, I I wrote it in chunks, different times. I'm not really sure. It just kind of kept happening, but you know, there, there was a Google doc and there were chapters. I mean, what helped me shout out to my first editor. So when I started writing the book, I had the same editor as how to not always be working. And she moved to a different publisher so she did not finish the book with me, but she was kind of like, I think it would be helpful for you to look at the, look at this as like eighteen essays that flow together. And I was like, Oh my god, thank you, because I was just like, I'm supposed to write a book like that's you know it's five times longer than how to not always be working. I that's a tiny book, you know, and this is still kind of a shorter book, but so yeah, it was helpful to me to break it down into really specific themes and then explore them within that. But I just wrote it at such rant. I mean, I follow the manifestor urge for all you human (laughs) designers out there.
1: I love that. Okay, we got a little bit away from thoughts on, but we're getting back. We're going right back into them. Thoughts on dance right now. Everyone should do it. Thoughts on romantic relationships.
0: They're awesome. (laughs) I was just, it's so cute. Earlier today I hugged Jackie and I was like I love love like I love I love to be in love and it does feel really special to me right now to be in in such a such a beautiful partnership that just feels so aligned with what I want out of that exchange of of love and wanting it to be you know, healthy doesn't mean getting along all the time. We like yelled at each other yesterday and it was actually bad. Like we don't really yell much, but it was it fell a little Mercury retrograde, uh, which is funny that my book is coming out while Mercury is retrograde. I was born while Mercury was retrograde, and I talk about it in the book. But yeah, I feel like romantic relationships to me and I talk a lot about in the book being single for a long time last year, for the longest I have ever been in my life. And so I think friendships to me are more important in a lot of ways and in terms of longevity. But I also, I don't know, I I don't sound, I'm not, I don't have like a poetic way of just being like, and I'm in love and obsessed with my girlfriend. Like she's an Mm. amazing, beautiful, strong, I'm going to cry probably now. (laughs) Like, I mean, I I fucking dedicated the book to her. Like, I just look at her and I'm so, And that's the thing, like whether it lasts for another year and a half or 40 more years or till I die, like what a gift to, you know, post-divorce, post-coming out, like really have this romantic partnership that teaches me, it it just teaches me things on like a much deeper level than most of my platonic relationships do.
1: I love that so much. Can we get your thoughts on the before that, like take us into you know the next question I was gonna say was thoughts on uncertainty, and I would love to link that with dating, like the uncertainty of dating and not knowing when you're gonna find your jackie or you know like yeah. going from you know blizzard to to this like <laughs> anything that you can share within that,
0: yeah, I think something that's coming to me right now is that uncertainty can actually be what keeps you away from the high highs and the low lows. Like if we accept that something is uncertain or unknown, there's so much more freedom in that. Like that's the blizzard story. It's like, I met that person and was like, wanted to turn them into my forever person before there were any clues that that could actually be sustainable. And I think that when we hold on so tightly to how we want the story to end, it doesn't give any breathing room to like the unknown and the mystery and how much goodness can come out of that. And so, yeah, I think if you're dating and there's like uncertainty, like relish in that a little bit, don't try to turn that person into your long-term partner or or don't write them off as like, not that, you know, maybe they'll become that in some way. And so, yeah, I think leaning into uncertainty, that it's not a bad thing. Like, that can actually be a really sweet space. And that is advice I need, even within a really committed, secure partnership, is like the uncertainty of just like what we're going to do in a day or something can freak me out. And then to just be like, no, 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 like, that's the spaciousness I so longed for for so long.
1: Yeah, I really love that. Okay, so thoughts on feeling down and depressed, too down and depressed, and thoughts on feeling to on the other end high or manic and, you know, maybe some things you have learned about spending time in either of those states and what what you, we talked about kind of shifting out with your example of feeling depressed, but anything else you want to share with either of those ends of the pendulum?
0: Yeah, I think just keep staying like really dedicated to practice and like finding out what your rituals are and your practices are for self-awareness and listening to that inner voice. And that is what is going to carry you in and out of those spaces is like learning how to trust yourself and trust that you can get yourself in and out.
1: Mm, So good. Thoughts on productivity. (sighs)
0: my first thought is like, it sucks. Capitalism sucks. I'm so sorry. And it feels again, kind of like the esteemable acts idea of, you know, it's okay to want to to finish things and get things done. And I write about discipline in the book. And I think that's something I'm still really trying to learn and cultivate in the way that I talked about, like, oh, I wrote the book from just like the urges I had (laughs) whenever I wanted to. And that works in some ways. And it took discipline. And yeah, I think both being honest with the ways that you like making things and that work for you
1: and, you know, attempting some form of discipline is helpful. Mm, I like that too. Thoughts and feeling feelings you don't want to feel
0: just keep trying to feel them because there are certain feelings that I feel like I avoided for so, so, so long and avoiding them is almost always so much worse than feeling them. So
1: just try to feel them. Mm, Yeah. Okay. uh, One more of these thoughts questions, then I am going to just a couple really fun, quick fire questions that are on the other end of this question, but just, I, I procrastinated asking this one, but I, I can't not ask you thoughts on Instagram, social media. Where, where are you with it?
0: (laughs) Gosh, I feel like it just changes every day. Like it was, it was really impactful to hear you say how impactful my presence there has been. And, you know, I'm thinking about, I just raffled a quilt off on Instagram that, Mm -hmm. uh, that the money all went to this organization that helps, you know, Latina and black communities with voter suppression. And it raised over $4,000. And, you know, I mean, I've, I've raised so much money using my platform this year. And that's hard. It's hard to think about walking away from this thing that actually really lets me help others. And whether it's raising money or sharing people that I love and admire and posting on my Patreon or in conversation or whatever it is, I mean, it is a great privilege to have 80-something thousand people follow you on the internet. And so that's the part where I'm like, how could I leave this? And yeah, I'm thinking about taking a longer sabbatical next year I'd like to take January mid January to mid May off and I'm not sure if I will deactivate it for 4 months or if I will just leave it up and and log out I honestly don't know if I can just log out I don't know if I have that self control that's where it's really serious for me and I'm a proud open Instagram addict and I'm really grateful that my presence there I mean, you know, it's not an ego thing to say, like has literally saved people's lives. I've had I've gotten countless DMs over the years of people who were like, "I was thinking about killing myself and dying because I can't I couldn't get sober and then I saw that you could and I quit drinking and I've been sober for 2 years or whatever." And I'm like, "Fuck." <laughs> you know, it's like that's that's really real for me and I don't take that for granted and it makes me feel sick and and really affects my mental health. So I don't know. I, I experimented with having my assistant run my Instagram for me. That was good. Once the book started ramping up, it just felt really confusing to like constantly communicate with someone else about it. So I'm back to being on it right now. And I think maybe in a couple of weeks, we'll maybe switch back and see how it feels because it doesn't, it's hard. It's hard
1: for me. Yeah. It's, it's so, it's so fascinating. And, and I, I recommend, your zine about this oh thank you all yeah. the time and I, I I said this in the last episode and I'll say it again I evangelize that the title even is so good and you know if, if people haven't read that it it, it helps <laughs> but it's also still hard and it's good to hear that it not good to hear I wish that wasn't the case yeah. you, but it's helpful to hear that it still is something that you're in process with I think I I don't know if you remember this, but from creative advising, I was trying to decide like, do I make one for let it out? And then I have my own personal one and I ended up doing that. And then, but with mine, talk about catastrophizing. It's catastrophe thinking and just what you were talking about before, of like seeing something through in your mind to like the worst case scenario. The weird thing that's been happening with my Instagram that was for years spiked when my book came out. But other than that, like really, really slow and steady growth that's made it not a personal account, but bigger than a personal account, but like still very small collectively. Drastically losing followers all the time. And just like that up and down. Yeah. It feels like the how I used to feel about the scale. Like, I don't wanna know that number. So, I just stopped buying a scale and weighing myself. And, you know, other than how my clothes fit, like, I don't have to think about that anymore. But seeing that number accidentally in the morning go down yes. 100 yeah. and then have to do my day and know that it's tied to my work and how many people see the podcast and blah, 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 blah will put me into a spiral. And I just wish I could not see that. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Yes, I do.
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's just my spiral. That was like a friendship village uh, question or like a advice. I, I don't know. It's just we're, we're in it, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, okay. A couple of fun questions and then I'll let you go. What's the best thing you've eaten in quarantine?
0: Uh, God, Jackie's cooking is just mwah, chef's kiss. So good. <laughs> Actually is currently, I can smell it. I'm about to go eat it. She's making these amazing cinnamon, clove, carrots that she made. Oh my makes. God, it sounds so good. Some pasta with like the cinnamon and cloves are in the ground beef and then there's goat cheese on top. So that's what we're about to eat. And so that's just what I'm thinking about.
1: <laughs> I love that. Um, what herbs are have you been working with lately?
0: I have been working with oat straw and that's what I've been making in my like making an herbal infusion and then taking a milky oats tincture has been what I've been working with mostly.
1: Love that. Okay, just the last bit. This is just a way to recommend things, but a book, a movie, music, TV show, podcast, um, food, person, any things that you want to recommend and and let out.
0: We just finished listening to Dolly Parton's America, which is a nine- Part podcast series about Dolly Parton. And I highly recommend everyone listen to it. Whether you are a Dolly fan or not, it will A, make you one if you are not already. And if you are one, you'll probably love it. But it's just a really amazing look through America and politics and just everything about the human condition, our identities, how they're different, how they're the same, like through the lens of Dolly Parton. And it's amazing. And everyone should listen to it.
1: Cool. Anything else? Any movies, books, TV shows? Anyone else you want to recommend? Oh no,
0: not cool. today. <laughs> I'm like, just go read my book, and I recommend lots of things in there.
1: And listen to Friendship Village, my favorite and program. To Friendship
0: Village. Yay!
1: <laughs> okay, well, you probably remember this from last time, but we end letting out a deep breath together. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Inhale. Let it out. <sighs> Marley, thank you so much. It was thank so good to talk so with you. All right. That was my conversation with Marley. I hope that you enjoyed it and that you found it nourishing and joyful. And maybe you learned something, laughed, or entertained. If that was the case, let me know that you're listening all the way to the end. Let Marley know you're listening all the way to the end. I'll give you a secret emoji in a few minutes few seconds probably to comment on Marley's Instagram, to comment on my Instagram as a little secret code to let us know that you're listening all the way to the end. Just a couple housekeeping items. If you want to try out any of the Let It Out kits that we have available, Let It Out kits are these self-study workshops, digital zines that you can try that have all different topics. And the code right now Fall 20 gives you 20% off of all of our kits if you want to try them. I would love to stay connected with you. Let It Out has an Instagram, and I would love if you... We talk about social media in this, but I would love if you followed the Let It Out Instagram account. It is just at Let It Out with three Ts. I love you. I'm so happy you're here. Next week, I have a conversation with AC Brown focusing on human design as well as many other topics. I can't wait for you to hear that one as well. Get yourself a hard copy of Marley's book or audiobook, which she reads. I think that you will really enjoy it. It's her voice and her voice really comes through in this book and I'm loving it so much. And I think you will as well, especially if you liked this episode. Support her, buy a book And I'm really glad you're here. The secret emoji for this week's episode is the skateboard. So comment that on Marley's Instagram, comment it on my Instagram, my name, or on Let It Out's Instagram. Or you know what? You can do it in a really creative way. Someone once wrote it on the back of a receipt at a coffee shop that I was working from and sent it to me. Hi, Brian, if you're listening. So, you know, maybe there's a creative way to send me the emoji that doesn't have to do with social media. I'm not sure what that would be. Maybe it's in the mail. Maybe it's, um, you know, I'm not sure. But we can be creative and, and figure that out. Writing it in the sand, again so happy you're here. If this podcast was useful to you and you think it might be useful to someone else, send it along. Share it. And my other podcast, Spiraling, I want to mention is we talk about spiraling the concept of feeling anxiety about something quite a bit in this episode. And I have a podcast that I co-host with my friend Serena Wolf that you may it's about anxiety. It's a humorous anxiety podcast. We laugh a lot and we're like extremely vulnerable about our feelings and neuroses and highs and lows, and if you like this podcast, you'll probably like that podcast. If you don't like this podcast, you know the statistics are not great that you're going to love Spiraling because I'm I'm very much a part of it (laughs) anyway i'm glad you're here all the links to everything we shared are in the show notes and if you want everything that we shared links wise images wise to be sent to you in an email i send out something called the let it out letter and show notes emails so that can come right to you right to your inbox if you want the link to sign up for that will be again in the show notes here I'll speak to you next week. I'm so happy that you're listening. It means so much.